This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Major League Baseball's opening weekend is this weekend, and this year is the 50th anniversary of one of the most intriguing teams in sports history, the 1969 Miracle Mets. Art Shamsky played right field for the 69 Mets. In his new book, After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets, he draws on conversations with his former teammates as well as his own recollections to explain how the Mets turned it all around in one year. In 2017, Shamsky organized a trip with former teammates Bud Harrelson, Jerry Kuzman, and Ron Swoboda to visit ailing star pitcher Tom Seaver out in California where the men reminisced about how the Mets did it and what has happened to them and their teammates since. Art Shamsky was a baseball player for eight years, starting with the Cincinnati Reds in 1965 and joining the Mets in the winter of 67. He was an integral part of the World Championship team in 69. Since his retirement from baseball, he has been involved in various businesses and has worked as a sports broadcaster. He's also the author of The Magnificent Seasons, How the Jets, Mets, and Knicks Made Sports History and Uplifted a City and the country. He teamed up with Eric Sherman, who we've had on this program last year uh, on this book, After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Happy to have Art Shamsky join me here on Speaking of Writers. Art, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Great to be here. Can you believe it's been 50 years? You know, it's hard to believe, but the reality of it is I I live in the New York City area, and, and, and seems like every day somebody talks to me about that 1969 team. So it just doesn't seem like it's 50 years, but you know what? I'm, I'm realistic enough to know that it is, and, and the fact remains that it's still one of the most iconic teams ever to win a World Series. So um, I feel really proud to be part of it, but, you know, that means I must be a little bit older. I tell everybody now I was 12 years old on that team, and if they go along with it and say, really? I just say, yeah, it's true. I was 12 years old, but hard to tell you to lie about your age now with all the baseball cards and all the all the uh, googling stuff that people can do all right how did you team up with eric and and what made you decide to write this book after the miracle well you mentioned the, the magnificent seasons which was my first book and that was really about uh the three teams in new york the the jets mets and knicks all winning in in 69 and 70 uh, all in that period of time and all for the first time and it was a book about what was going on in the city and the country at the time and uh, with all the bad things and the war in Vietnam and everything. And, and this time when I, I met Eric and wanted to do a book on the, on the 50th anniversary, we discussed this, and I said, let's do something a little bit more emotional and, and about friendships and camaraderie. And, and we both agreed it was a good time to do that. And, and what we decided to do was take a trip out to California to see Tom Seaver. We didn't want to do an interview with him on the phone and and we were hoping he would be well enough to, to be able to sit down with us. And then we said, well, why don't we take a couple players with us and really have a wonderful kind of reminiscing period of time. And it worked out that we took Buddy Harrelson and Ron Sabot and and, um, and Jerry Kuzman with us. And, 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 and at the, the thing that really was interesting about the trip is when we made the trip, we didn't know for sure if Tom was going to be feeling well enough for, to see us. And we got out there, we rolled the dice, and, and it was uh, uh, luckily for us, I talked to his wife, and she said, you know, uh, every day is different. Today it could be good, tomorrow not too good. So we got out there, and we didn't even know, oh, this was a Friday night, if we could see him on, on the next day. And we called, and she said, you know, I see he lucked out, he's feeling pretty good. We went over and spent about eight or nine hours together, and it was one of the most wonderful days of our lives. We just reminisced and talked about things that were important to all of us, uh, how important that team was to our lives and 
all the friendships we made on the team and, and the camaraderie we had. And, and that was really the, the basis for the book. It's not about Tom Seaver, although, you know, obviously he was the best player on the team, the great, great pitcher that he was. But it's really about all the friendships that we had. And, and really it's a, it's a book about aging. It's a book about the sentimental look at what, what, what we went through and, and where we're at now in our lives. And, and that's really what we wanted to do. So it turned out great. And, the reviews have been terrific. I'm really happy about it, and, and uh, I, I really enjoyed doing it. And, and uh, with this 50th anniversary, I think a, a lot of people will be um, tuned in to see what uh, what's going on with the 69 Mets, and I think the book really kind of gives us a, really a firsthand look of, of uh, what's happened to everybody. Chatting with Arch Shamsi here on uh, Speaking of Writers, he uh, teamed up with Eric Sherman for the book After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Okay, Art, I want to... No, you... I mentioned earlier, uh, you came to the Mets in 67. How did you wind up on this team? Well, I got traded. I was with the Reds. I came up with the Cincinnati Reds and had great friends over there. I came up in an era where they were developing many players who would go on to illustrious careers. As an example, uh, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Tony Perez. And on that team, when I got there, was Frank Robinson, Zeta Pinson, uh, Tommy Harper, you know, a nucleus of really terrific players. And and after they traded Frank uh, to Baltimore in the winter of 1965, it, uh, it really became a team which was the prelude to the Big Red Machine, which was those great teams in the 70s at Cincinnati. And when I when I got traded from the Reds to the Mets, it was really kind of culture shock for me because, first of all, the first time you get traded is always a, a little bit of a shock. You've got relationships with these guys that you started your careers with, and, and these friendships have been going on for a while, and then... You're going to a new team to make new friends, but in this case, it was the Mets who were basically an awful team. I mean, they were just known as the lovable losers and wasn't crazy about New York. Was, even though I came from a good-sized city, St. Louis, Missouri, and played in Cincinnati, New York was just uh, too big and too noisy and too hectic. And, 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 you know, so I wasn't really happy about that, but in the long run, it turned out to be the best thing that happened in my career. Two years later, we won the World Series. My life changed in October 1969, and and I've been in New York ever since. So, what does that tell you? But it was uh, it was interesting at first, but uh, I fell in love with the city, the culture, the, the whole thing about New York, and, and so I've still maintained a residence here, and it's it's been a wonderful ride for me. The manager of the Miracle Mets, Gil Hodges. I remember my dad was a lifelong Brooklyn Dodger fan, and he, I remember him telling me always how what a great ball player he was. What was Gil like as a manager? He was a tough guy and uh, no-nonsense. Uh, um, I remember him as a ball player, too, watching him as a kid with those Brooklyn Dodger teams. He was really a terrific player. Um, I remember the first day in spring training uh, in 1968, my first year. It was his first year also. And a couple of the new players, too, Tommy Agee and, uh, uh, and Al Weiss and J.C. Martin, we all came over around the same time. And I remember the Gil having a meeting, and, and right off the bat, you knew he was a pretty serious guy. And he said, you guys will not be known as those, those same old New York Mets that you've been known for in the past few years. So he was pretty stern about that. And I guess he was referring to that lovable loser kind of uh, name that we had gotten or the team had gotten. And even though we didn't play great that year, we finished ninth, a half game out of last place. I could, I saw signs that we were improving. And with Gill's leadership and, and, and stern, stern 
manners, he was able to get the most out of all the players. And the next year in spring training, he basically had another meeting and said, you know, you guys are much better than you think. You lost a lot of one-run games. If you find out ways to win those games, you're going to be pretty good. And he was right. He, we, he, the difference in that team and, and from being a bad team to winning one like we did when we won 100 games in 1969 was just finding ways to win all those close games that we've normally found ways to lose. And, and we had great pitching. We had Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman and and um, Gary Gentry, Jim McAndrew, Nolan Ryan, Tug McGraw. I mean, we go on down the list. It was great pitching and terrific defense and timely hitting. We just needed to find ways to win. And basically, uh, we were still nine games behind the Chicago Cubs in that year, which was the first year of division play. Going into August, we were still behind. And, and all of a sudden, from the middle of August on, we quit. We found a way to win those series, the, the games that we normally would would not win, and all of a sudden from that period on, we were unbeatable. And from that uh, last uh, couple weeks in August to all of September, the playoffs and the World Series, there wasn't a better team in baseball. And we beat a team in Baltimore that was terrific that year. They won 109 games in the regular season, and we beat them. We lost the first game in the World Series, but we won the next four. And and, uh, to this day, uh, many people say, I don't know how you beat the Baltimore Orioles, but I do know we, we had great pitching, good defense, and timely hitting. That's how you win. Chatting with Art Shamsky here on Speaking of Writers, he, uh, along with Eric Sherman, have the book uh, After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. What was the feeling like when that final out was caught in the World Series? Well, gosh, it's, it was it was so exciting here in New York. We had we had three celebrations at Shea State, and the field took some beating. We won the division at Shea, and then we won the pennant against the Braves, and then we won the World Series at home against the Orioles. It was bedlam. There's pictures of people running onto the field. The crowd control was non-existent back then, and we we just, it was incredible for all of us to be part of that team because we had accomplished something nobody thought we could do. We were 101 odds at the beginning of the season. I mean, Baltimore on paper looked like they could run over us, and even after we lost the first game, um, eight people were starting to think we're going to lose four in a row. But we never lost confidence. And when when we won that second game in Baltimore and came back to New York, one and one, um, everybody felt like we were in the in the uh, in the series. And we won the next three. And when when that when Cleon Jones caught that last ball off Baby Johnson, it was it was like something we had accomplished that nobody gave us a shot to do. And I think. I think that's part of the reason that team resonates 50 years later. I think because of where we came from as a team in the early years of lovable losers to winning a World Series and what was going on in the world and how crazy the, the the situation was in New York at the time with all the problems. And I think people remember that and pass it on from generation to generation. And I think that really are those two are the really big reasons why that team resonates so many years later. Who had the most influence on you, Art, on that team? You know, I think, you know, even though I didn't have a close relationship with him, I think Gil Hodges did. I, You know, I was close in terms of friends with everybody, but Gil was the kind of manager that, although I avoided him as much as possible, um, I respected him so much. And, and he he forced me to to, to, to be, be I don't know what, how to describe it, other to be the player I was that year. It really was... Between myself and Ron Swoboda in right field, we had a pretty good year. We hit, you know, a lot of home runs and a lot of RBIs. And Gil was 
was was a manager that managed by feel, and he got everybody involved in the game. And, and when when you talk about platooning in right field, nobody liked it. I, Ronnie Sabota and I just hated it because, you know, you could have a good day and maybe not play the next day, and it was really tough. It's not good for your career. It's just tough to, to get into a groove. But we were able to accept it because of Gil, and, and we understood, and, 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 and even though we didn't like it, we understood – the purpose he was trying to do was get everybody involved, and and it worked out because uh, it it was working, and we ended up winning the, the series. But but I think you know uh, as far as an influence, because all of us were around the same age. There was a few guys that were older, but but Gil was this stern kind of disciplinarian that that uh, really kind of it, it kind of made you you strive to be the best you could be, and I think that's the best tribute I can say about him. And he pretty much played everybody, right? He did. He he knew that he managed by feel. He was a guy that that wanted to get everybody involved. He's not a he was not a manager like they have today, where you get the printouts or the sabermetrics and you look who, who's had some success against the guy here. And and, and he did, he didn't manage that way. He he knew the game. He knew his players. He got everybody involved. And as it turned out, you know everybody contributed to, to the to the success of that team. And I think that's really one of the things that people remember when when you talk about it. It's just not about Tom Seaver or Jerry Kuzman or Cleon Jones or Tommy Agee. You talk about Al Weiss, who had the great World Series. You talk about Don Clendenin, Ed Cranepool, Ed Charles, uh, Wayne Garrett, Buddy Harrelson, Al Weiss, uh, Kenny Boswell, Jerry Grody. I mean, I'm going down the whole team yeah. here, but, but basically what I'm saying is that everybody on that team contributed to the success, and I think that's the beauty of it, and that's that's what developed the camaraderie because even though you didn't like certain situations, you pulled for everybody and you realized everybody contributed to help, help you win. And, and I think that's the greatest tribute on that team is that everybody contributed to the success. We're chatting with Art Shamsky here on Speaking of Writers. He, with, along with Eric Sherman, wrote the book After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Uh, when you're rolling down that uh, list of uh, names and players there, Ed Cranepool, how is Ed doing? I saw him um, yesterday, as a matter of fact. We did a um, um, a show on, on television together, and he's doing pretty good. He's been waiting for a kidney transplant for a while, yeah. and we've got our fingers crossed that it's going to happen soon. He, uh, he uh, Physically, he, he's, he's okay. He's, he's had some problems uh, with diabetes, but he's, he's, he's doing all right, and uh, he's, we've been friends for a long time. We're st- he's still in the New York area also, and and um, he played 18 years for the Mets. One of the few players to play that long for the same team, and came up as 17 year old, 17 year old in 1962. And and um, you know he's got a lot of stories himself. He's he definitely is a person that has seen has seen with the Mets the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you remember, um, although you might be too young, but in Game Three of the World Series, he had a home run, and kept thinking that this is retribution for him to be able to. Remember those years where, where everybody came to the ballpark to see the Mets lose and expected them to lose, and all of a sudden he's hitting a home run in the World Series. So very happy for him at that time. What was Jerry Grody like? Oh, tough. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry had two personalities, sweetheart away from the field, and once we got towards the ballpark, something happened to him. He became a real tough tough individual and I know the opposition hated him a lot of players on the other teams hated him but I will tell you this about Jerry Brody the best defensive catcher I ever saw and he could do it all pop flies 
balls topped in front of home plate, handling pitchers, throwing out runners at second base. If you talk to all the great space dealers in that era in the National League, uh, to man, they would all say that Jerry Grody was the toughest catcher to steal on. And, but he was a tough guy when he got to the ballpark. He was, uh, he was uh, I don't know how to describe him, but he was just a different, different personality. So yeah. uh, to his credit, he was able to get the best out of his ability, but he was a terrific catcher. Tommy Agee? Tommy was a great guy. Uh, he was made two great catches in the World Series in Game 3. I was in right field for the second one and uh, and got a first-hand view of that great catch to right center and hit a home run in the bottom of the first and saved about four or five runs with those catches and really was the star of Game 3. And a terrific center fielder. Hit 26 home runs that year leading off. And, and um, we were very, very close and was saddened when he passed away. He'd, We've had some guys who died way too young on that team, including yeah. him and Don Clendenin, Tug McGraw, Cal Koontz. Joe Hodges was only 47 when he passed away. Um, and the coaches, of course, Yogi and Eddie Yost and Rube Walker, and uh, and those coaches were great. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's been a tough road losing some guys, but we still have a nucleus of, uh, of wonderful guys, and, and, and we're all friends, and that's the most important thing. And speaking of the wonderful guys, how did you select? I know Harrelson was uh, for the trip to to visit Tom Seaver out in California. Harrelson was Seaver's roommate. Um, how did you select the others, uh, Ron Soboda and, and Jerry Kuzman? Well, in reality, we could have selected anybody. Eddie Cranepool uh, had just had an, an operation on his foot, so he wasn't available, and and a couple of the other guys just weren't available, and yeah. either had some health issues or or uh, some other problems, and. And those two guys are real characters. I mean, and what's really interesting about them, they're so diametrically opposed politically um, that, that it was easy to instigate something between them. And I thought that would be great to get them out there and have them going at each other on, for political reasons. And, and so we, we went with them, and, and it was fun. We just got them going, and I knew that I would be able to instigate them with a couple words here and there, and it was great. And Buddy, of course, it announced he had the early stages of Alzheimer's, and I think it was important to get him out there and see Tom and, and, and kind of get a, get a you know, a, a first-hand view of, of being with us and, and enjoying that time, and, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it, it was wonderful for him to be out there. We kept an eye on him. I met him at the airport to make sure everything was okay, and, and um, you know, luckily he was able to make the trip, but I think it was really nice for him to be there. Are you happy with the Mets are doing for Tom Seaver? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's well deserved. Um, I think um, you know there was some controversy about it not being done earlier, but but um, sometimes when you wait for things, it's, it's it's for the best. And I'm hopefully that I'm hopeful that he'll be able to appreciate it and feel well enough to to be involved in it. Uh, I think history will show that, 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 that Tom Seaver um, was one of the best pitchers ever to pitch in the major leagues, and and I think whatever the Mets do in that behalf, I think it will be well deserved. Art Shamsky, this is a terrific book uh, with uh, Eric Sherman, After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Art, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. And you can uh, get some more info on Art Shamsky. He's got a website, artshamsky, S-H-A-M-S-K-Y dot com. Again, the book is After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Art Shamsky with Eric Sherman. And that is, speaking of writers, in Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. We'll be back again next week with another edition. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve Richards.